0: Today we are ending a series on prayer. Um, And the next week for Thanksgiving we're going to do something really special, something we've never done before. So how about that? There'll be swag and everything. I'm just telling you it's going to be great. Um, We're finishing on prayer because first of all it's such a basic part of the Christian life. It is foundational to our relationship with God and and sadly, in many ways, it's become de-emphasized in American Christianity. Our worship services don't often in many churches don't even have times of prayer. And, and uh, prayer has become kind of the forgotten stepchild of much of what the body of Christ does. And yet, God referred to the temple as His house of prayer. It was foundational to what believers do when we come together. And so, we're seeking to bring a new emphasis on this. Um, what I've done, as you know, is walk through the, the elements of prayer the way we lead it in the worship service, starting with adoration or praise. Because if we are to pray, we need to be reminded of who God is. Because it, it prayer only makes sense if God is who we believe He is. If God is is not alive, if he's not powerful, and if he doesn't care, then our prayers are a waste of time. But if he is alive and all-powerful and all-loving, then suddenly all of those attributes that, rec- that describe who he is become vital because it makes prayer make sense. And oftentimes, we go straight to our request and ignore that reminder of who he is and why prayer makes sense because it is a time of fellowship with him. Then we go to confession, because confession is a reminder of who we are. If He's God, we're not. If He is perfect, we're not. We are constantly reminded of the ways in which we have strayed from His perfect will, because that reminds us of His grace and His mercy and His love. And it helps us get freedom from the disobedience in our lives that that creates a chasm between us and Him. It allows us to experience that that freedom of intimacy with Him again as we unburden ourselves from sin. That's why confession is so vital. Um, Then we spent time in thanksgiving because we were reminded in thanksgiving of what He's done for us. And I'm convinced that it is the greatest void in the american church today as it comes to attitudes that we have become a people who aren't grateful. It, it, we all too quickly make a list of all the things we're not happy with. When asked how we're doing, we can make a list of everything that's wrong. When we look at our spouse, we can say everything about them that's disappointing, and for you women that takes a while. But the reality is for those of us who know God, there is no excuse not to be grateful. And most of us have so much to be grateful for, but we have lost the eyes to see His blessing. We have lost the ability to recognize all that He's done, so that we've become spoiled and entitled ingrates. That's all I'm going to say about that having reminded ourselves of all he's done then we go to a time of petition we pray for things and and every time i speak on this i'll have someone come up and say you know i i, I feel uncomfortable telling god things i need and i understand that there is a humility in that heart that i deeply admire but I feel passionately by the examples in Scripture, you read David's prayers and the Psalms and the prayers of others, even Jesus' prayers on His own behalf, that, that we should live out our confidence that He's a loving Father by praying and requesting things from Him. And, and in doing so, we are reassured of His love for us. And we are placing ourselves in submission to Him based on how He responds to those prayers. When I ask Him for things and He says no, by virtue of going to Him, I am reminded that He is ultimately in control. There is a submission that's lived out in that. There is the exercise of the confidence of His love when we pray for things. There is the intimacy of speaking to a loving Father that comes in praying for things. All of those things are a part of that. And I would encourage you to to approach the throne of grace boldly with your request because he cares. He really does. It's hard to believe he actually cares. If he knows the number of hairs on my head, which is constantly changing. I used to have hair. If, if, If he knows the number of hairs on our head, then he cares about the affairs of our life. And, and when we go to Him with those things, we, we make ourselves submit to Him and we express our love to Him and our dependence on Him. So today I want to go to the last one, which uh, that, if that's called petition, this one would be called intercession, praying on behalf of others. Praying on behalf of others. Uh, I don't know about you, but this is an area that I struggle with because I've got so many people to pray for. I've done spreadsheets. I've done lists. I've done everything I know because I just... So I thought we'd step back and look at the whole foundation of of intercession so that we understand it better. But one of the things I want to remind you, when you read the book of Acts, you're constantly seeing the early church getting together and pray. They're constantly having these prayer meetings in somebody's house and praying all night long because Jesus had done it. They, they take this very, very seriously. The example of the New Testament is that when the body of Christ comes together, they pray, and they pray for each other, and they pray for God's work, and they seek the will of God. We'll see it throughout the book of Acts. So what, what's the theology of prayer? I want to take you all the way back to the Old Testament, to the role of the priesthood. When you think about the Old Testament, part of what you think out in the book of the Torah, the Old Testament law is the tabernacle and then the temple and the high priest and the priests and all the sacrifices, all of that stuff in those first five books of the Bible. And, And let me remind you that the role of the high priest was to intercede for, pray for the people of God. In other words, for instance, in the day of atonement, he would would take the scapegoat. He would place his hands on the goat and pray for the nation of Israel and demonstrate that God would judge the sins of the nation of Israel by the judgment on the scapegoat. He interceded, he mediated on behalf of the people of Israel to God. But even the rest of the priests, one of their primary roles was to pray for the people. Remember in the story of Zechariah and Elizabeth, Zechariah goes into the holy place because it is one opportunity in his lifetime as one of the priests to go in and pray for the people of Israel. And they went into that holy place where there was the table of showbread, but there was also the altar of incense where the, the smoke went up as to the prayers of the Lord. And Zechariah goes in, in his one time in a lifetime, exercising his priestly responsibility to pray for the people. Foundational to the whole role of the priesthood in in the Old Testament was their responsibility to pray for the people. They did the sacrifices, certainly, The sacrifices, we all know, point to what Jesus would do on the cross, right? He is the Passover lamb who takes away the sins of the world. He is the fulfillment of that whole sacrificial system because all of it pointed toward his death on our behalf. But when we think about the priesthood, we often forget that a major aspect of what they did day after day was intercede on behalf of the people. And that's important because the book of Hebrews says we have a greater high priest now. If you look in the book of Hebrews, beginning in chapter 4, and yet I'm going to look at a lot of passages. If you want to just listen, that's fine. If you want to sleep, that's fine. Do whatever the Lord allows you to do. But I will get loud from time to time just to watch you jump. It's I don't have many pleasures in life. That's just one I get, you know. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14, therefore, since we now have a great high priest who ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, we can hold firmly to the faith we profess, for we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize, empathize with our weaknesses. We have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin, so that we can approach God's throne of grace with confidence. The writer of the book of Hebrews says all that Old Testament stuff, the whole point of it was to tell us about what Jesus would do. He was the sacrificial lamb, but he was, is also the high priest. And he is a high priest who fully understands all that we go through, but he, he intercedes on our behalf as one who understands. In other words, the responsibility of prayer begins with Jesus praying for you and me. Isn't that crazy? Jesus interceding with the Father. His foundational prayer to the Father is Father, they are ours because I bought them with a price. When you and I pray, God has every right to say, I'm not listening to them, they're sinners. But Jesus intercedes on our behalf and says, No, Lord, they are ours because they have placed their hope and trust in me. But he then continues to pray for us as well. Now, real quickly, if you were Jewish, you'd say, yeah, but Jesus can't be the high priest because he wasn't a Levite. He was of the tribe of Judah because he was a king. But Hebrews uh, uh, figures that out as well. Real quickly, Hebrews chapter 7 says, uh, therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him because he always intercedes for them. In chapter 7, he is uh, in other words the Hebrews writer says, he is a priest after the order of Melchizedek, who was that weird priest, the uh, king that Abraham gave a tenth of all he owned to. And he says he's not a levite, but he is a priest and he constantly intercedes for us. Hebrews 7:25. He constantly lives praying on our behalf. We mentioned last week that the Holy Spirit intercedes for us, speaking in words that we cannot understand. Chapter Romans 8.34 also says Jesus does. Who then is the one who condemns no one? Because Jesus Christ who died, more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. So that you have this Old Testament priesthood, the high priest, who lived out this function, not only of offering sacrifices, which Jesus himself would accomplish, but then interceding for the people. And the New Testament says, by the way, Jesus is our present high priest. And just as the high priest went into the Holy of Holies and prayed for us, Jesus goes into the presence of the Father and prays for us today. Is that mind-bending? That the Son of God not only knows us by name, But he prays for us. He intercedes for us knowing our weaknesses and our failings and our our aspirations and everything else. He, He intercedes for us. He didn't just die on the cross and walk away from the mess. He is actively involved knowing your prayers, I believe, oftentimes before you and I do. That's part of his high priestly function, which is foundational to our whole prayer for others. In John chapter 17, we see Jesus doing that. John 17 is called historically the high priestly prayer. And in it he goes to the Father as he's uh, going into the very last days of his life, and he prays for his relationship to the Father and how he's lived his life in service of the Father. And then in the middle section of John 17, in Jesus' prayer, he prays for the apostles and said, I haven't lost any of them but one and I'm leaving them in the world. They're not of the world, but they're in the world because I'm sending them out into the world. And at the end of the high priestly prayer, he says, I'm not only praying for them, but I'm praying for all those who will believe in me because because of what they taught. In other words, as Jesus prayed for the apostles, he recognized that the apostles would produce generation after generation of followers of Christ. And you know what? We're it. Jesus starts praying for you and me in John chapter 17 in his high priestly prayer. As part of his function of the high priest, he already is beginning to pray on our behalf. In fact, let me read to you just a little bit. Verse 20, my prayer is not for the apostles alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their message, that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Uh, As you know if you've been around here long, Francis Schaeffer's little book um, at the end of church at the end of the 20th century, The Mark of the Christian, deeply impacted me because he quotes this in John chapter 13 and said, The world has a right to decide if Jesus is the Son of God sent by the Father based on how much we love each other. Now stop and chew on that a second. Jesus Himself said the world has a right to judge that He is not from the Father, that He is not sent as the Son when we don't love each other. When our love for each other doesn't go beyond political differences, racial differences, uh, societal differences, financial differences, uh, ethnic differences, national issues, when we as believers are not united, the world has a right, according to Jesus' prayer to question whether he is the Son of God. I've never gotten over that. Never gotten over that idea. And Jesus prays it here in John chapter 17. Okay, that was free. Verse 24, Father, I want those you have given me to be with me where I am and to see my glory. Jesus is already praying for us to be in his presence the glory that you have given me because you love me before the creation of the world. Righteous Father, though the world does not know you, I know you and they know that you have sent me and I have made you known to them and will continue to make you known in order that the love you have for me may be in them and I myself may be in them. From the very beginning, Jesus is already praying for us, the church, for us to experience his love, for us to have unity together and for us to be an adequate witness Of who he is and what he's done. So, prayer for others is rooted, is founded in Jesus' ministry as the high priest and fulfillment of the Old Testament law. But as they say at three in the morning in the commercials on TV, but that's not all. 1 Peter chapter 2. Ronco, are they still around? wait, there's more. I'm sorry. First Peter chapter 2, therefore rid yourselves of all malice and all deceit, hypocrisy and envy and slander of every kind, like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk, so that by it you may grow in your salvation, now that you have tasted that the Lord is good. Just a beautiful, beautiful verse. I wish I had more time. As you come to him, the living stone rejected by humans, but chosen by God and precious to him, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house, a new temple, a new place where God resides, to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable by God through Jesus Christ. We are priests. The body of Christ is the fulfillment of the Old Testament priesthood. If Jesus is the high priest in fulfillment of the Old Testament high priest role, then we are priests fulfilling the role of the priestly class in the Old Testament. And that is why we pray for other people. Because we live out our role as priests, offering the spiritual sacrifice of prayer for other people. You ever think about that? We have a responsibility as God's chosen nation of priests to do his ministry, to do his service, offering spiritual sacrifices which would include in fulfillment of the Old Testament ministry our our going to God on behalf of other people. That's our jobs. It's not just my job. It's not just the elder's job. It's not just those spiritual people's job. It's all of our jobs as followers of Christ because we have been made into a nation of priests to pray to God on behalf of other people to offer that sacrifice of worship and praise and come to Him with requests just as the Old Testament priesthood did. See, the problem is that the, the pew today is full of people that think their job is just to be passive and wait and have spiritual goods delivered to them on a silver spiritual platter. But the reality is, according to the New Testament, we come together, all of us as servants of Christ, all of us having responsibilities to serve Him, actively doing His ministry, which one of the things it includes as priests is praying for other people, just as the Old Testament priesthood would. It's our job. We'll be evaluated. Have we prayed? Do we pray? I also mentioned that it is the apostolic example to pray for other people. I just chose to work from the book of Ephesians. I could go from a number of places to show that. But let me just show, read to you a couple of Paul's prayers on behalf of the Ephesian church. Verse 1. 15 of chapter 1. For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you and your prayers. First thing we ought to pray for other believers is thanks. Why? Because they know Jesus. The first thing we ought to pray for other believers is thanks, gratitude, because they know Jesus. Verse 17, I keep asking... That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. What does he pray? That you'll know God better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance and his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Power is the same as that mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead. I pray that you'll have the hope of glory, the expectation of what you'll experience after death. I pray that you will experience the very power that God used when he raised him from the dead. Chapter 3, verse 14. Paul goes on and say, For this reason I kneel before the Father, from whom every family in heaven and on earth derives its name. I pray that out of his glorious riches he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the Lord's holy people to grasp how wide and how long and how high and how deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the measure of the fullness of God. What does Paul pray here? That we'll experience God's love that we'll know it not not as in a cryptic way but that that it will so impact our thoughts and our feelings and our emotions and our our attitudes that that we see the world through the lens of the love of God hear that so that we see the world through the lens of the love of God so that all of life is interpreted in the context of Jesus' love. Because that love is what gives us strength. That what, that's what keeps us going. It's the, the, the experience of knowing God's love. One of the great things about being a part, in a part of a church where you can be known is, is when things are hard and you experience the love of Christ through other believers. When, when you know they're praying for you. When they bring you meals. When they put their arms around you and pray. When, when you experience the love of Christ through other people because we so desperately need that love to keep going. The Apostle Paul demonstrates the power of praying for other people. He had had a huge ministry, and yet he continually says throughout the epistles, I pray for you. I thank God for you. Every time I think of you, I thank God for you, and I pray for you, and I pray that you'll experience God's love. And I pray that even Paul, in all that he did, that's why he spent so much time in jail. Think of all the prayer time he had. He continued to, to pray and live out the ministry of prayer for other believers. but we're also commanded to pray for others. Now, I've got a long list here. You're going to have to pay attention. If the person next to you is nodding off, pop them with an elbow, say, Jesus is talking. Not the short guy, but Jesus is talking. Listen to the list. You need to hear all the ways that we've been commanded to pray. Let me give you two first in the Old Testament. I read one, Psalm 122.6. Pray for the pre- peace of Jerusalem. May those who love you be secure. Many Christians still today pray for the peace of Jerusalem because it is a center part of what God will yet do in the last days. Jeremiah 29, 7, though, says, seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile and pray to the Lord for it because if it prospers, you too will prosper. And I think that applies very directly to us today, that that just as Israel was commanded to pray for the Babylonians who had enslaved them, we are smart when we pray for the place in which we live because we want peace. We want freedom to share the gospel. We want the ability. I, I, I'll never forget one time when I was young, a really righteous young believer said, well, I pray for persecution. I said, well, I don't. You're not. I don't pray for persecution. That's called masochism. It's not scriptural. If God sends persecution, He'll give the grace to live through it. But we're not, we're commanded to pray for peace. And I do. Because why? In peace we have the opportunity to worship, to proclaim the gospel. We we should pray for our nation. And and remember, uh, when they're doing it, they served under a Caesar who was a pervert, sadist, and a horrible human being. But pray for the peace in where we live. Let's look at New Testament prayer demands. I want to start again with the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 18. It's kind of the big picture. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Because we are a kingdom of priests, we have a responsibility to pray for other believers. Crazy. We we have a service to give in our service of God to pray for other believers on all occasions. You want to know why so many of us are experiencing so little in our Christian life? we don't pray we, we, we have forgotten the power of the ministry of prayer and the apostle Paul says on all occasions no matter what pray for God's people The Lord knows the church needs prayer 1 Timothy chapter 2 verse 1 so first to pray for all occasions, for all the Lord's people. First Timothy 2, 1, I urge then, first of all, that petitions and prayer, intercession, and thanksgiving made for all people, even the non-believers, and for kings and all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in the godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. We are commanded to pray for our leaders, our national leaders. We're not commanded to complain about them. We do that without a command. Most of us complain a whole lot more than we pray, but we are commanded to pray for our leaders. Why? So that we can have peace. Why? So that all men can be saved. Isn't it interesting that the ultimate goal of the peace is not so that we can have nice lives. The ultimate goal of the peace is that we can use the peace that we have to demonstrate the love of Christ to the world in which we live so that more and more will come to faith in Him. We're commanded to pray. As I said before, in the first century, the the, the leader of Caesar was not a nice man, but he was someone they were commanded to pray for. We're called to pray that God will move the heart of the king in order to allow us to do our ministry. 1 John chapter 5, another command to pray for others. Stick with me. You can do it. Verse 16, if you see any brother or sister commit a sin, you should pray for God, that God will give them life. Now, we always notice when other Christians sin, it's just we forget to pray because we're too busy sharing it, you know? Let me share with you what I saw Bubba doing. Isn't that sad? You know, Bubba should know better. He was in Sunday school and heard a message about that. I just don't know why Bubba does these things. What is the deal with Bubba? He knows better. In other words, we, we, we often notice, but the, our knee-jerk reaction is to condemn and to gossip, our, whereas our knee-jerk reaction, according to Scripture, should be to pray for them, that God will restore them, that God will work in their hearts. Uh, and, but it's, it's an honest prayer. Notice he has, sometimes I've heard people say, well, you can't judge. Now, you have no problem calling sin, sin. Anything else is dishonest. See what I mean? But rather than gossip, we're to take them before God in prayer. Okay, so pray for everyone, all Christians. Pray for leaders. Pray for sinners. Hebrews 13, 1. Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters, and don't forget to show hospitality to strangers. For by doing so, some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. I've always wondered, are there any angels here today? Because according to the New Testament, some people show up and they're angels. That makes the greeting ministry a lot more meaningful, doesn't it? Continue to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison and those who are mistreated as if you yourself were suffering. We're we're commanded to pray for those in pain, even those who have gotten there because they deserved it. Running out of time, James chapter five, verse 14. If anyone among you is sick, let them call the elders of the church to pray and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord because the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. Our elders take this very seriously. The whole first section of our elder meetings is given to prayer. Mason Smith does a great job of keeping us up with prayer requests. Oftentimes, we'll send out cards to people letting them know we've prayed for them. And it's always shocked me how much it means to people that to know the elders are praying. We do pray for the sick. Now, until the Lord comes, we will all die. So, so ultimately, that prayer is answered no. But I can't tell you how many times I've talked to sick people who said, I know God's prayers from grace and how much they've meant to me. Julie and I went by to see Lynn Wilson and she said, I am absolutely convinced that I am alive today because of the prayers of the people at Grace. It's a Hugely powerful and significant ministry that we should take seriously. One more. Hebrews 13, 17. Have confidence in your leaders and submit to their authority because they keep watch over you as those who must give an account. Do this so that the work Their work will be a joy and not a burden, for that would be of no benefit to you. Pray for us. Pray for us. Leaders of the church, the leaders, the elders, the staff, we desperately need your prayers. We're well aware of our weakness and our failures. What we desperately need is your prayer. So what have I said? Prayer for others is rooted in our role. As priests in fulfillment of the Old Testament priesthood, Jesus, just as Jesus is our high priest interceding on behalf of us to the Father, we are priests to all of those around us. We have a ministry of taking other people to God. It was demonstrated by the apostles. But it's commanded in the New Testament that we pray for other believers, that we pray for those around us, that we pray for the sick, that we pray for our leaders, that we pray for those who have sinned, that we pray for those who are hurting, that, that, we, that we take seriously, that the first responsibility that all of us have to do something is to take it to the Lord. And I struggle with it. If you're like me, it's... I have long lists, and I forget, and people say pray for me, and I think I will, and then I remember later, and I think, oh, I didn't pray for him, but I meant to, Lord. Maybe you heard my meant to. But it is a serious minister that we dare not take seriously. But I want to close with a word of encouragement. We're not the only ones that struggle. In the book of Acts... As I mentioned at the beginning, you always see the body of Christ coming together in prayer. But my favorite prayer meeting in the book of Acts is in Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12, Peter has been captured by Herod. And God uses angels and supernaturally frees him from jail. In verse 5, it says, the church was praying for his release. Then in verse 11, it says, then Peter came to himself after the angels had freed him and said, now I know without a doubt the Lord sent me an angel and rescued me from Herod's clutches and from everything the Jewish people were hoping could happen. When it dawned on him, he went to the house of Mary, the mother of John, also called Mark, where many people had gathered and they were praying earnestly because Peter is in prison. We got to pray for him. And Peter knocked at the outer entrance and a servant named Rhoda came to answer the door. And she recognized Peter's voice, and she was overjoyed, and she ran back without opening. Peter's at the door, leaving Peter standing in the cold. And all the brothers who had been praying, those great figureheads of the body of Christ said, Rhoda, you're out of your mind. God wouldn't answer that prayer. In fact, the next line is even better when she kept on insisting, they said, well, it must have been an angel. You get that? It's more likely that an angel came than that Peter was freed according to our prayers. You get that? It's laughable how little faith they had. But that didn't keep them from praying. And men and women, we struggle with prayer. We always don't do it real well. And sometimes we, we don't understand why God doesn't answer. And sometimes when we, he does answer, we're shocked and hardly believe he did. But we still pray. Because it is our service as a priesthood to care for others by taking them to the Lord. Please join me. Father, we confess that we struggle with prayer. But those of us who have been prayed for know just how powerful it is. Forgive us for our laxity. Help us to see just how important it is that we go before your throne and pray for the needs of others. In Jesus' name, that great high priest, we pray. Amen.